Hi, welcome to Intensity Eats for a Penny, the show where we talk about mild music mags and culture and stuff. Jackson, Maine. What does this song playing right now mean to you? For me, it means only one thing. The movie Empire Records. The music video for this song played incessantly on Much Music for about a month before the movie came out, just to promote it. And it sprinkled little clips of the movie within the music video, as they used to do. So it made me want to go see the movie. Mostly because I was a 15-year-old boy and Liv Tyler was in it, and we all knew her from the Aerosmith videos. But also the movie looked cool. It looked like a cool music movie and I was really into music and I was really into wanting to work in a record store and it looked like this fun day at a record store so of course I wanted to go watch this movie with a bunch of cute semi-teen early 20s kids working in a record store. What does the movie Empire Records mean to you? I know this might sound funny but I have a lot of opinions and thoughts on this movie. It's from 1995. It gained kind of a cult status afterwards. It didn't do very well at the box office. I'm pretty sure I saw this at the movie theater, but I probably didn't. But the only reason I'm thinking I might have is because I love teen genre films. It started when I was a kid watching The Breakfast Club and Stand By Me and watching Clueless and watching Mean Girls. I've always loved teen-centered films. But I just love movies, and I want every movie to live up to its best potential which is why I start picking apart things. I look at Empire Records and I think, there was so much potential in this film, and it just didn't quite achieve it, in my opinion. So for the first time ever, we're not going to look at a music mag. We're just going to talk about Empire Records. Why? I don't know. I kind of consider it a music movie. Why not do this? I've had separate conversations somehow with Stacey McCool and Kavita Gill about this movie. And I thought... Why not bring them in so they could share their opinions on this movie? I knew Stacy would have a lot because I know she loves this film. Stacy even has quote-themed buttons on her apparel website, Really Man, which you should all check out. So I knew I was up against a true fan. So with that all being said, let's just talk about 1995's Empire Records. Okay, so this episode, I decided we should just talk about Empire Records. It's the first episode I've ever done where we didn't uh, choose a magazine and talk about articles and content. I just thought, why not just talk about this? Because it's a real 90s music movie, if you want to call it that. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and, and why not? It was a real soundtrack movie. It was a real, it's become kind of a cult classic. Uh, which I guess a lot of people since 1995 have kind of latched onto it. This movie did not do very well at the box office, so it kind of had to have its moment afterwards. I don't know. I think I've had small conversations with each of you about Empire Records um, and your love or whatever for it. So I kind of just had this idea. It's like, let's just talk about this movie let's review it whatever we want to do uh yeah well i mean i did send you a text earlier that said prepare to be eviscerated (laughs) that might have been a little harsh but when you sent an email that said you prefer pump up the volume you said it was one of the best teen movies of all what what i hate that movie i loathe that movie and oh i thought maybe God. i was misremembering it so after you sent that email i watched like two different youtube breaks downs i looked for 
a long time to find one that was hosted by a woman. There are none. Um, and then, yeah, I watched two or three of them and I was like, oh yeah, no, I, I hate that movie. You, but you just watched YouTube breakdowns of it? But to get a, I haven't seen it in 10 years because I hate it. <laughs> okay. So I thought I was mis- misremembering. Okay. So I watched a breakdown. I was like, all oh, right, oh. that was the plot. Yeah. Okay. I had mentioned in an email to you guys that this is Alan Moyle's film. Alan Moyle, proud Canadian, number one. Oh, really? Yeah, from Quebec. He's the director of this film. And he also directed Pump Up the Volume, which in my opinion, I love teen movies. I think is one of the best teen movies ever made. Stacy, you disagree. No. <laughs> no, man. It's too dark and depressing. And I don't think Christian Slater's that cool. Uh, it doesn't pass the Bechdel test criteria for a film or TV show to pass a comic book too, I guess could work. It has to have two women that are named. Oh, that yes. They have to speak to each other mm-hmm. about something other than a man. Right. That's not so, a lot. I don't of know. I, I didn't like, I watched it and hated it before the Bechdel test existed, but now it's like an easy way to put a name to it. What I was feeling. Okay. That, that, that's valid. Uh, it pretty much is a movie just about one kid, though, almost. Like, it's like half sure. the movie is just him in a basement talking. Um, yeah, and his name's Harry Hardon. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <That's- laughs> yeah, I don't know. It just always rubbed me the wrong way. And then I rewatched it as an adult because I found the DVD in a dollar bin. And it turned me off even more. I got to be honest. I just, when I kind of put that together, I just thought, I just thought the writing is so much better. It's not perfect. It's not. I can't it's, believe the two films are related. Don't get me wrong. That blew my mind. Yeah. I've never really looked into the crew of Empire Records. Like, as we were saying, it's not that. That's not what it's about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the fact that, yeah, he did pump up the volume and Empire Records. What else is on his resume? Not much. Oh, he did New Waterford Girl. That was great. Oh, okay. <gasps> Love that movie. Yeah. That's one of my favorite, if not my favorite Canadian films love that movie yeah love so like love the range it. of this man though this is what he did that right after empire records four yeah. years later what a weird career well also for the writer of empire records she has five imdb writing credits that's it five and that's it and alan moyle doesn't have that many more imdb credits he's got maybe 10 Something like in that range. Yeah. And yeah, you kind of wonder what happens to people. This woman, Karen Heikinen, the writer, this is pretty mm-hmm. much her biggest thing. And then she was just gone. She did sporadically, like maybe up into the 2000s. And then I always, I, I do always wonder that when I go on IMDb pages and when you see these sort of credits and be like, yeah. what happened? Like you obviously got a big Empire movie. Records technically bombed in the box office, right? Like, that was what I was loop. thinking. Did this yeah, record they career just didn't get another gig from a studio? So the stats on this, I don't know if you looked it up. Empire Records no. opened in four markets. Um, it opened. Uh, it cost ten million dollars to make. It made three hundred thousand dollars at the box office. What? Yes. What? Yes. Okay. Is that oh, opening weekend man. or is that all time? That's oh my God. all time. Holy shit! Whoa, that's, that's a flop. Terrible. Yes. Yeah, that's a flop. That's a 
That's like Kevin Smith style flop. That's a little big. Woof. Yes. That's the- Mara following <laughs> clerk. <laughs> wow. I cannot believe it did that bad. I thought like it, at least the Liv Tyler draw would have got tons of people out on a weekend. Absolutely. And also well, it's like, what were we doing as teenagers? Like yeah. movies. Like, I don't know where you grew up, but like we were always going to the movies. Always at the movies. Yeah. Always at the movies. Was yeah. there another big movie at the, like the same weekend or the same year? Uh, yes. It was like that. Yeah. Seven opened up that weekend. Mm. Oh, yeah. That's, okay. That's very bad luck. Yes. Yeah. That's very bad luck. Uh, it also just didn't get a big release, which is kind of weird. Oh, that's fair, too. Yeah. It just didn't get yeah. a big release. It obviously, they had put money into it. And mm. I don't know what happened, why it didn't get the, the release that it should have. I don't really remember trailers for it either. No. The biggest trailer that I remember is just the music videos. There was Edwin Collins, oh, yeah. Never Met a Girl Like You Before, and there was the Gin Blossoms, Till I Hear It From You. Those were on constant yeah. rotation, and they had scenes from the movies in the music videos as they used to do. Yeah. And that's what promoted this movie for me. Also, the fashion, I will say. I had a subscription to Seventeen magazine, oh, yeah. and that the fashion, like what Liv Tyler is wearing in that movie, is like iconic. Yeah, you know, it is an iconic little outfit. So it's like the fashion, even what Robin was wearing, it was like all of that shit was all in Seventeen magazine, and they were right. all being interviewed all the time. So that movie, like to Stacey, your point earlier, of like you know, soft and romantic and all of that, it absolutely caught the hearts of you know cisgendered like girls. Yeah, exactly. You know yeah, I mean? like, the pages of Seventeen girls. magazine. Yeah. yeah, big time, big time. It's like her hair, the boots she was wearing, like all of that stuff. You know what I mean? Their yeah. makeup, like all of that shit, was always like how the little the Doc Martens with a kilt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Soft baby sweater, all of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, <clears throat> as great looking as Liv Tyler was in that movie with those cute little outfits, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was any match for its other competition that weekend. Showgirls. Showgirls. Showgirls and Seven opened the same weekend. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So if you're you're a girl dating maybe a guy who isn't who's into like boy movies and you're going to the movies that weekend, I don't think he's gonna pick Empire Records versus Seven or Showgirls. Yeah. 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 You got a lot of hand pulling in that theater that weekend, I think. Oh my god. Seven. Talk about your opposite, complete opposite of Empire Records. It's hard. It's hard to believe they're all like the same year. Yeah, nineteen ninety-five. Yeah, that is actually very hard to believe. Wild times. I'm gonna ask you a question first. Did either of you work in a record store when you were young? Yes. No, and I always dreamed of it. (laughs) Now, Stacy, I know you worked in a, a guitar store, though. You worked in a music store. I worked in a music instrument store and I worked at a record label. Right. Okay. But I never had the carefree <laughs> Empire Records experience. And as I'm sure you're about to tell me was wrong. Well, I mean, I didn't I never worked in in a record store. Kavita, do you want to talk about working in a record store when you were young? Yeah. Um, I came back from traveling and I needed money and I got a job at HMV in Brampton. And it was like, yeah, it's not, it's like a corporate, like retail gig. I had a lovely manager though. Stephanie was absolutely just wonderful and very cool and very chill. 
And uh, yeah, I got a lot of free music out of it, which was really great. So mm. that was that was wonderful because anytime they had those like promo CDs or whatever in the machines, they would they couldn't sell them after. So it was like it was first come first serve. And also the best thing I ever got for a dollar ninety nine, I got the Smashing Pumpkins Siamese Dream on vinyl because <laughs> someone bought it as an import and never came and picked it up. And I think they had some sort of like policy, like if it was sitting around for like six months or something, they just discount. So she gave it to me for $1.99. Oh my God. Wow. So there were like things like that. And also my so-called life, someone ordered it and everyone was like, we had to like do like, I can't remember rock, paper, scissors or like fight to the death. I lost. I didn't the get it. DVD set? The, DVD the DVD set. Everyone yeah. was like, I fucking want that. Like it was Those so... were so sick when they first came oh. out. Oh. So that was a good perk, but it was just like a lot of like, stacking and organizing stacking and organizing so if you kind of like meditative work and you don't mind people coming up to you and literally singing things at you oh, and you yeah. being like i have no fucking idea oh that you know be, like that's this is what or whatever so people just were like guessing you know yeah you worked at hmv and for anyone mm-hmm. out there who doesn't know what hmv is hmv was a canadian chain uh it was also in it came from uk uk, it's UK. yeah his yeah. master's voice yeah and <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah uh, so that was our sort of corporate chain store. However, HMV was pretty good. And if you lived in Toronto, the 333 Young Street HMV was a really cool um, mm-hmm. location oh, for yeah. it. There was yeah. the three, three level floor. And yeah. Green Day played out back in like 1997. Yeah. They played yeah. in the alley behind it. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, the world music section and shit was incredible there. Like that was a very mm. fun and they would play anything for you. You'd be like, what the hell is this? It's from Ghana. Let's listen to it. You know, it would be great. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And, uh, and cool. of all the, uh, they all had that like record store smell, but mm-hmm. 333 was like overwhelming because yes. it was so big. Uh, I can smell it right now thinking about yes, it. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Well, my question, I mean, not my question, but my point kind of is, even if you're working at the kind of corporate chain store as opposed to the, you know, the smaller indie store, you're still going to get, I feel... I'm going to, I want to ask you this, the same kind of employees, you're still going to get record album nerd, music nerd people who want to talk about music oh, yeah. all day. Right. I mean, I, I doubt you get a job at HMV, even if you're at the mall in suburbia, like just because. Oh yeah. I couldn't get a job at the HMV in Oshawa because I didn't like know enough people, you know, yeah. you had to be in a band mm-hmm. or whatever to work yeah. there. And I would go in and hang out yeah. and I'd like find an album that wasn't where it was supposed to be and like put it back in the seas, you know, and be like, anybody see, like, look how good I would be at this job. So embarrassing. Yeah. They were very competitive. They were, those jobs were super competitive. And I was like straight A student type nerd. And it's like, I always applied and I would never get it. They want. Mm-hmm. And then when you got older, it depended on the manager. Some people were in there. There were a couple of people in there who didn't give a shit. They're just like, Oh, it's just a it's retail just a job. job. Yeah, it's just a yeah. fucking retail job. They didn't care. They just were there full time or whatever. So they were like, I don't care. And I, then they were obviously music people. Yeah. yeah. I worked at 333 wow. Young HMV for exactly one day. And really? Yes. Oh. I got hired as Christmas help when I first moved to Toronto. Mm-hmm. So I got the job just because it was Christmas help. They just needed bulk. They just needed bodies. So it didn't really yeah. matter at this point. I only worked one day because... It was minimum wage, but then I found out that we weren't getting the discount on CDs as Christmas employees. So I was like, well, this is totally fucking 
useless now. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this was going to be like my catch, little man. That's the seasonal catch. Is that the seasonal catch? It's the same thing. My friend worked mm. at the liquor store over Christmas. And mm-hmm. She was like, I'm going to get so much cheap booze. No, I feel like I had the full experience in one day. Of, yeah, you got hired. That's the hardest part. I yeah. worked. I wish I could have stayed, to be honest. Uh, I just couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't justify it. I was like, this is stupid. However, I was working cash for an entire day and I got that full experience of people coming up and talking to me about their records. I was ex- like, you know, excited about what they were buying. And I totally had the people singing to me, trying to get, get <laughs> trying to figure out what album it was. And here's how dated this is. Everyone was coming up to me that day saying, what's the name of that band that's in the iPod commercial? You mean oh Jet? <laughs> yeah, that's them. Yes. I think that happened like 15 <laughs> wow. times in one day. Yes. <laughs> so having said all that about record store employees and working in record stores. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask Stacy first. Stacy, why yeah. do you like, Empire Records. What is it about this movie that you love? Okay. So I was 14 when I saw Empire Records. Because uh, it, it was after. It was I, it lived for me on VHS. That's my Empire Records. I have a special edition VHS. It's red. So it, it stuck out in the bin and I bought it. And I think I rewatched it this week. And I think what gets me is that it's so soft. And like romantic, and even the couple that gets together in the end, there's no like makeout scene, there's no sex scene, there's no nudity. Really, I guess Renee Zellweger a little bit, but it's just like a cheerful day in the life kind of experience, you know, a la Mallrats or Days and Confused, and it's it's so I don't know, it's light and soft and romantic, I guess. Well, well, with a guar performance, (laughs) you know. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> what's not to love, really? I don't get. I don't know. It's got Ethan Embry. It's got Ethan Embry. It certainly oh does. God. I was surprised when I looked up this movie how young he was. He was actually the right age. He was sixteen, mm. I think, when they were filming this. Uh, yeah. As well as Liv Tyler, they were both quite young. They were both like mid teenagers. I don't know, sixteen, seventeen, when they were shooting this. Yeah, they both look so soft and like <laughs> yeah. smooth in their faces in this movie. The this movie I okay, I'm trying to remember when I looked up this movie, it did not get a, a very wide release. I feel like I have a memory watching this in the theater. I feel like I just did watch it in the theater. It pro- I probably didn't when I actually think about it. It was probably I doubt it was playing in Kingston if it would just ended up being in the one market. Doesn't make yeah. sense. But I was kind of the appropriate age for this movie, too. I think probably on first viewing when I was 15, 16 watching this, I'm sure I didn't really have a problem with it. But I think I did have a problem with it. Like, I'm trying to remember (laughs) at what point I just started. I I thought, I mean, I don't think I've watched this movie that many times. But I remember probably watching it for the first time and being like, yeah, okay, that happened. Uh, And then Mm. probably a second viewing was like, no, I'm finding a lot of problems in this. <laughs> like problems? Are you looking at it like a movie critic problems or just things that you don't like? I don't want to see that. I don't care for that. Yeah, I think both. You know, it's tough after you 
you age and you get into films and you know you just you don't look at films the same way anymore which oh, which kind of sucks films okay. like, this is where this is where we differ oh this is definitely like a, a movie i like a lot of movies yeah i do not care about films i will tell you right now stacy <laughs> this is 100 percent a movie <laughs> the line has been drawn in the sand <laughs> Well, I mean, Romeo and Juliet's a film, right? Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. That's a we film. We have to talk sure. about that later. We when we're yeah. talking about, so we have to talk about that later. Just putting up. We, we can we can that. talk about yeah. that when we talk about soundtracks. Uh, yeah, but I just that. mean like it's, it's. Yeah, that's probably where we're differing in opinion here. It's a fun romp. It is a, a fun romp. About. It's something that you really don't need to be paying attention to at all. But then mm. it starts. It starts to bother me because. I, like you, Stacey, really like teen genre stuff, and the, I have to really separate myself now because I'm older, and I can't criticize young movies anymore because they're not for me, but I can still yeah. criticize bad writing and like bad direction <laughs> choices, and I'm just like, come on, you could have... this. This just could have been a better film. Just because it's for kids, I just see this so many times where they just like cop out in kids' movies because they think maybe kids aren't going to notice. But I just noticed this. Uh, this movie, I feel like no relationships are built. I feel like uh, there's like no oh. chemistry. I feel like everything just kind of gets thrown out there. Like everybody has to have some sort of problem and it just kind of gets shouted out at inappropriate times. There's no like writing to kind of describe what everybody's going through and everybody just seems like really one-dimensional when they're all very well-rounded characters they just don't get to put that across on on the screen i always thought like we're just coming in we're just here for 24 hours to watch these people who cares what happened before I don't even think anyone says Burko's name to Burko. Like, I didn't know what his name was until the internet. Exactly. You know what I mean? And the fans of this movie, are they're like Snyder fans of the Snyder Cut. You know what I mean? That DC piece of garbage. No. There are alternate cuts of Empire Records. What? There's backstory to all the characters. Yeah. There's a scene where Corey gets her acceptance letter from Harvard, and she's with her little sister at home. Okay. There's more stuff that's out there. Yeah. And there's a whole other cut of the movie as well where uh, – Rex Manning leaves crying instead of telling them to fade away, which is just a train wreck. But <laughs> so, yeah, it's hard for me to separate that because, like, I know the backstory because I've watched all these deleted scenes and read all this fan content, I guess. <sighs> OK, OK, OK. I'm too deep in. No, no. In. I get it. I get deep. it. <laughs> <laughs> She's into the Empire Records lore, guys. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the fan fiction. Um, yeah, I love it. Kavita. It's hard, yeah, it's hard for me to see what you're saying because I was like, what could you change? Okay, I you can't it. change anything. This is good. It's, I would, this is good I'm going to get into that, this man. I've got. Where do you lie, Kavita? What is your. Okay, yeah. So this is the thing. Okay. I really liked listening to the both of you because, you know, points given, I remember watching this movie and when I was a teenager, I thought it was fucking cool as shit. Mm. I loved it. I was like, this is so great. I, I, I thought they were all so cool. I loved it. Such good characters. You know, big, like, oh, my God, like, Liv Tyler, how gorgeous, how cool, like, wanted to be, like, her super it girl, pouty it girl. Yeah. And I oh, was like, yeah. this is so fucking cool. These people are great. This is amazing. And then I rewatched it today, and it's like, I wish I had just left it in the past. 
Yeah, I wish I had left it in the past, Stacey, because it's like, I remember I got it as VHS, as a gift, Mm -hmm. and someone gave me the soundtrack. So I was like, oh, okay, like into it, reliving it. And I'll get to this that that point later because that that I think is really disappointing actually. But um, you're watching this movie, this adventure, and honestly, one thing I did notice today that it's like yes, you have like these standards like Liv Tyler, this like absolutely stunning model girl, but then a lot of the other characters are very like very '90s kids, mm, like very yeah. like they look like normal kids like they yeah. are like and when you look at the crowd when they're like singing or whatever it's like all the people in the crowd the way they're like bopping their heads and stuff I'm like oh this is so this yeah. is, these are right re- like they probably asked ex like regular kids to just they all look like they're wearing up. their own yeah. clothes the extras oh, yeah. and the actors yeah, yeah 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 and I love that like that I was like oh this is very much a ni- 90s movie it has that flavor has that tone they're all like not every kid is like you know these like gossip girl and OC and all this now where it's oh, like yeah. everyone is absolutely like you know, uh, like an, a mixed, beautiful, ambiguous race person. You don't in know. designer clothes and then in designer clothes, and then all of these archetypes of people or whatever, like gorgeous mm-hmm. archetypes. These were like regular, a few standouts, which is what happens in life, and then yeah. like regular looking kids. My biggest issue is I just kept laughing throughout the movie because the tone kept shifting all the time. I'm like, now we're doing mm. this. Now we're doing a funeral. Now. <laughs> Like, it is that I did notice that. On. Now, now Liv Tyler is screaming. She's screaming again. Why is yeah. everyone flipping out? Like the yeah. total changes. Why did this guy go to Vegas? Like it's like it just, yeah. it just. I'm like, where? What's happening now? <laughs> the only thing linking it together is Ethan Embry, like by himself doing something. You know and what I mean? I it's like, oh, and at the back of the store, he's doing this. We're still in the store. It's still the same day. Don't worry. Like it is. <laughs> it is such the what I was like. Wow, this is like such an interesting like tonal shift it's like what did the director say to ethan Embry to yeah. be like and he was just that 90s kid and yeah. like <laughs> overwhelmed i'm sure most childish. of his scenes were improv when he's yes. watching guar they were just like watch guar we're yeah. gonna film you like whatever you do <laughs> is fine and, it's and then inter- he's like, like making <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm just going to say, like, when I rewatched it last week, that's I had the same thought. Like, wow, it's really just <laughs> nothing holding this together. Like, it's going all over the place. But then I remembered about all the deleted scenes. Like, Tobey Maguire was yeah. in Empire Records. Yeah. He what? was completely cut out of Empire Records. Yeah. There's whole, there's, so in the end, they were like, I don't know, make it work. And just put a bunch of shit together. Okay. Or, like, interstitials of the mural in the back. Like they just, you know, show random art and then go yeah. back yeah. to the story. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a character I love who I don't know what has happened to her since. Maybe she lived and died in the 90s as in terms of an actress. But Robin Tunney. Yeah. Oh, honey. She's big her. in old people TV now. She's on what like she The Negotiator or something. Like she's on one I'm of those. In. But she like, honestly, yeah. like watching her is always in 90s movies, a revelation for me. Oh, she's a very so good hard. actress. She she's did the craft. Good. Like. Two oh. months after this, she like she act. She uses her eyes. She uses her physicality. She's yeah. a, and she's very subtle. Like she's she's good. I really like her. And I always when she shows up in a '90s teen film, I'm like, oh, now we've got the talent has arrived. Yeah, same. I think yeah. she's very solid. And like she's got the ha- it yeah. thing more than Liv Tyler ever did. I think. Oh my yeah, god, Liv absolutely. Tyler just pouted. She was so beautiful. She just pouted, talked in this like way, and then just started screaming, and then would cry, and then get overwhelmed. Like yeah, yeah she's just like. <laughs> I was like, it's like very much like a music video kind of arc mm, of like yeah. acting. Like it's very pantomime her acting. Yeah. But she's 16 also. Like 
Right. She was also, a, if you just pointed out, she's like a 16 year old girl mm-hmm. acting as well. Right. So yeah. Thrust into like super fame. Yeah. Out of nowhere. Yeah. Because did she, she know in... that Steve Toller was her dad at that point? Yes. She did, but she had like just found out. Right. I think she right. found out like late eighties or something, right? Something like yeah. that. Cause she was like, in the Aerosmith video. So yeah. Teenage years or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's probably like 11 years old when she found out. <clears throat> Yeah, I love her. I'm a big Liv Tyler stan. Still, a, still a fan of her. Her skin's gorgeous. Just love her. Mm. But yeah. uh, and Ethan Embry was hilarious. And his like, yeah, his what his directing notes. They're like, just be like a spastic, you know, yeah, <laughs> fucking kid. Dance like, with a broom. It. We don't. We don't really care. Just lick, do anything. Lick a lick a whoever that was. The ballet the, foot. The, yeah. Yeah, the ballet foot, and then the yeah. mural. That was kind of looking yeah. random girls. Little, little that. watching that, that did not age well when I was watching that. That didn't age well, no. That's trying to kiss a girl with her eyes closed? Too. That's not going to fly today. Slut, yeah. They use slut a lot. And I was like, girls, calm down. Everybody, let's let's not let's not go there. But yeah, they yeah. had that fight or whatever. And then she sleeps with the dude. Oh, oh my, my God. God. <laughs> That's so disgusting. Okay, I wanted to ask both of you. Okay. Who is Rex Manning referencing? Like, is there some guy from the 90s that was like, our moms thought he was hot and there was some carryover? I'm thinking oh, Tom Jones. Uh, yeah. Tom that, Jones. That yeah. So tan. Yeah. And he's actually English because he was in the second Grease, this guy. Oh, really? Okay. He's the hot one with fucking hot Michelle Pfeiffer in it. I don't oh like God. Grease. I'm not a fan. And I like, I only like Grease too because both of them look like they didn't even want to be there either. <laughs> So I was, yeah, I was in, but he's a very handsome Englishman. And then they just, they just obviously dipped him in bronzer. Wow. And sure. Like, oh my. even in the nineties, I was like, what is like, why is he at the record store? Well, look, I always Tom thought it was Jones so in weird. The 90s. Remember the cardigans? The Carl and because Carlton little... on Fresh Prince. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So he had he's... a resurgence. I love Tom Jones, by the way. But so yeah, Tom that Jones. Guy who our mothers love. And as my father used to say, he's like, Women love my dad loved him and he was like, Women throw their underwear at him. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Do you understand what that Do you means? understand yeah. the power this man has? I was like, wow, that's crazy. He's like That's Rexy. Yeah. He's that's so Rexy. sexy. That woman who comes in singing. Fucking <laughs> <amazing>. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> okay. This movie, as we've kind of talked about, we can all agree it's pretty choppy. For what whether oh, we yeah. like it or not. It's kind of all over the place. And we even see that with like just some odd editing choices. Like they they kind of just come into like the middle of a conversation sometimes. There's some weird stuff happening here. It just, in this day and age, when you see on YouTube so many times, like this is what I would have done with this movie. This is how I would have. I don't, I think of that. I guess I do think of that a lot. Like when I see something that's just not working and I don't sit there forever trying to fix it. But I was just thinking about this, that, last night watching this movie these deleted scenes you're talking about stacy of her getting an acceptance letter that would have added something like we're just kind of told that she's going to harvard we don't know anything about her we just know she's going to harvard which is kind of generic too we're just like oh someone smart is going to harvard like that's pretty much your story that's it she came out of a big house she's going to harvard yeah okay that's that's what we've got she's a nice girl or whatever but take popping pills all of a sudden yeah that's like halfway through the movie we find out that renee zellerweger wants to be a singer uh i think about 10 minutes before this film ends uh, we don't know what is wrong with Deb. She's just like your stereotypical depressed teenager. Uh, we have AJ and Liv Tyler's character, Corey, who he apparently is in love with, 
they never have a scene together. I think this entire movie, they almost never talk. And at the very end, when they kind of declare their love for each other, she says, you're my best friend. Could we have had two scenes of them just like eating lunch or something, just bonding? And yeah. we don't know why this guy likes her. We don't know that they're best friends. Like just things like that I could have used. I could have used Gina's character maybe like chickening out on a on a band audition or something like that. Like just something like the oh, yeah. the night before like she Even just Even just looking at like posters on a bulletin board for auditions. Just like, yeah. "Oh, I just didn't go. Subtle. I thought you were supposed to go last night. I didn't go. I couldn't do it." Like just not bringing up that you want to be a singer at the very yeah. end of the movie. Like that was your entire character. What was wrong with her? And we don't know the entire movie. And also yeah. you're just promiscuous and that was your character too. Like they just they were just like really thrown out there things that just bothered me. And if the writing was a little better, then I think this movie could have just like been at a way higher level. Yeah, it lacks subtlety, right? Like, you know, there's some movies where it's like you keep telling the audience what's going on. Yeah. And if which I hate. See, like if they're all of these like scenes that are gone, they got all cut out or whatever, then it's like the uh, probably editor watching it is like, or people watching it after be like, this is a mess. I don't know what's going on. So they're like, Oh, we have to like kind of insert these things in so that people have some sense of what's going on. So we're being yeah. told, like we're constantly just being spoon fed the the story as opposed to like the, that subtle stuff. And it's like, and with, with Robin Tunney, I'm just going to say, I think her performance was so good that we didn't need to know what the real, yeah. why she did it, but it's like, she's a tortured soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what She's I mean? a tortured soul, and she was dating the guy with the hair, the Barco. Yes. Coyote played Shivers, the yeah. Yes. And the I Coyote think there was a cutscene about them. Yeah. yeah, like something had happened, whatever. Yeah. That was another thing. That is brought up in the movie that maybe something happened last night, but we never know what it is. We barely even know that they're a couple, or are yeah. they? I have no idea, maybe. <laughs> like, yeah, they are. I only know because of reading about the cutscenes. But yeah, I, I never thought they were a couple watching it growing up and there's just too many people in this movie so so many people they have your your core characters and then you have coyote shivers her boyfriend or whatever you have that other kid i can't remember his name right now the actor who's the long-haired pizza kid no there's there's warren the pizza kid comes in too i love that guy he held up perfectly i like him too i do like him about him in the remake i'm into him he 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 has some like scene stealers, which I, I can appreciate. I feel like they just should have yeah. spent a lot more time with the other characters like Corey, AJ, Gina, Deb, really working on their relationships and characters. I had this revelation last night that uh, Mark, Mark is Jeff Spicoli from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah. Fast Times at Ridgemont High has sort of a plot going through it. You're following these characters and what they're doing. Jeff Spicoli yeah. just comes in like every 15 minutes and has almost nothing to do with the movie, and he steals the entire movie. As I was saying, like, just I'm upset that I didn't get to know these characters as much. But really, I had this this revelation last night that I wanted to know Corey, AJ, Gina, and Deb. And I don't need to know anything about Mark. I just need him to get inserted every eight minutes or so, doing exactly what he did in this movie. So actually, exactly. I kind of changed my mind about it last night. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think there's anything you need to know because you know Mark. Yeah. You know Mark. Kavita. I know Mark. We all know Mark. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We all went to school yes. with Mark. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and he's in the back of the story eating weed brownies the second his shift is over. <laughs> Was his shift over? <laughs> uh, that's the other thing. Some, some of them are that working like 24-hour shifts or something. They're, they're all day, all night. 
but uh, it just feels yeah. like a hangout. It feels like they're all close. And That's who's the, the owner? Who's the Joe. owner? Joe. 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 He's like quite cool because they're like, "Oh, Corey, why are you here?" She's like, "Oh, I'm just studying," you know. And it's yeah. like the other guys like painting in the back. Well, they so have like quite... such a cool staff room too. Yeah, That's what I always thought cool it would be like room. to work at a yeah. record store, like in the back, like couches, people there on their day off, just hanging out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And quarters to the floor, whatever. <laughs> you know. Okay, here's something Warren. we have not brought up at all: is yeah. Rory Cochran's character, who is a major part of this movie. Yeah. Here's my number one about this movie: he never tells Joe. Why he took the money and went yeah. to, to Atlantic City. He never says, I saw that we were going to get franchised. Yeah. I I took a chance and it didn't work and we're fucked. Mm-hmm. I know that we want to have some sort of mystery and like some sort of. You don't want everything spelled out for you. Yes, you exactly. We don't little... want everything spelled out for us. We want, we want that tension to be building. But I'm sorry. At what point was it going to be? Why did you take the money? And him tell yeah. him. He never says it all day. He literally punches him out in his office and he still yeah. doesn't know. <laughs> and then at the end, yeah. he just said, "My one of my employees ne- needed it. And that was his explanation. I, was I like, forget. I've, I know that I've looked this up and I can't remember what it is. There's some like trigger. He sees a like an ad. He's flipping through, sees the Music Town stuff and then sees an ad for Atlantic City. And he's like, oh, it's fate. And that's why he's acting like like a swami or something yes. the next day. Right. What's with today, today, you know? Right. Kind of his character in Dazed and Confused almost. But uh, yeah, there was some sort of, he he something had happened to him and then he had like a breakthrough, which obviously was the wrong choice, but. Yes. Here's, here's my last kind of problem with this movie uh, before we <laughs> yeah. kind of move on to some other topics. Yeah. I don't think anybody in this movie likes music and that was kind of going to tie in with my my comp mark does but for a music a a music movie that's like based around a soundtrack essentially and it's a day in a record store Mm -hmm. i feel like there should just there should have been more conversations about music there's a lot of music playing there's a lot of dancing there's a lot of having fun you know and i don't think it has to be high fidelity or anything like just like depressing music nerddom but (laughs) but had a little more i would have liked and every reference i feel is kind of wrong and just uh written by some studio person who didn't know what they were talking about it just it it Mm. really bothered me (laughs) yeah i mean it really could have been set in like a cool clothing store yeah, yeah, you're right. Some, you know, <laughs> basically, yeah. all they they just need the loud music playing in the background. It just could have and been like, retail. Each other's music, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mark would get into it and mosh and stuff, and they're like, "Nope, not this." Or they would play yeah. because it was Rexy Day. They were kept playing his music. Yep, Rex Manning Day. They kept playing his stuff. The one thing I will say that was like for me, like all of that other stuff aside, like um, what really disappointed me though, and I was actually like, "Whoa, this is like very odd." Is that so? I was running an errand and I'm like, I'm gonna listen to the soundtrack, right? And mm. I'm like, this is painful. Like, it's, except for yeah. like that cranberry song, like a lot of it is just bad. Like, I'm like, I don't remember it. Like, oh, like, like, I'm like, I don't remember this. I don't know these people. This is whatever. And then the sugar high song, which is actually quite salacious, the lyrics, yeah, give it a spin. It's I was like, whoa, 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 it's a lot. Yeah, I, like, I, I wanted it to, I wanted to play it at a night that I was DJing and I thought that the, 
soundtrack version would have Renee Zellweger on it, yes. but it mm-hmm. doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. And then um, more surprises. Yeah. And then the lyrics are like, lick between your thighs. Yes. Which is not yes. what they're saying in the movie. Not at all. <laughs> that was a shock. Yeah. Especially because that, like, that guy's a bit of a creep. He's in jail now, right? Is he? Coyote Shivers? Yeah. Shit. He was dating that chick from NCIS and they had a huge, like, drug fueled battle. Can we? He's in jail now. Can yeah. we can we talk about Coyote Shivers for one minute? Yeah, that's the only thing I know about him. He's in Empire Records, and then he idea. married the chick from NCIS. Well, I was doing some internet research, and oh, I, I know I, what you're going to say. I just discovered this last week too. Oh my god! The reason he was basically got into this movie was because he was actually Liv Tyler's stepfather. He was married to Liv yeah. Tyler's mother, BB 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 Buell. Okay, Coyote Shivers, he's he's married to this woman. She's about 10 years older than him. He's about 10 years older than Liv Tyler, like nine years. I think he was about 26 and she's 17 in this movie. So he had to lie and say he was younger to just be in this movie because he just looked younger, even though he kind of (laughs) doesn't. He is from Toronto. And he, he is from Toronto. Check out this. He produced the first two shadowy men on a shadowy record, shadowy yes. men on a shadowy planet records and produced Are you kidding? having an average weekend single, which is the kids in the hall sing theme song. Oh my God. What? Okay. I learned about the Liv Tyler stepdad thing, but the rest is that's the goal. That, what a Canadian. Yeah. Oh my God. It could not get any more Toronto than that. Coyote and, shivers, and that is such an iconic theme. I'm just—I actually have been watching because uh, it's on Prime. Uh, Kids in the Hall. Oh yeah, yeah. Just been having it in the background, and that is like the icon. That theme song is like we all know. Yeah, of course, yeah. Wild. Okay. The Dirty That's Nil wild. used to cover it. Oh, <laughs> wow. Live shows. I love that. That is very cool. I do like. Oh that. my god, what a, what a bunch of credits! Yeah, and then he wow. threw it all away. For I guess so. Or something. Damn. So let's get back to soundtracks. Kavita, yeah. you were not yeah. into Can the I soundtrack. Say about that of course we, are we moving on to different soundtracks no no keep going no, no. okay uh so what was disappointing for me was that so i listened to this thing i was like oh this is a terrible soundtrack i'm like this is awful and then i'm watching the movie and there are a ton of songs that are not on the soundtrack yeah and if they were like that edwin collins song or whatever if that was being shown with like clips from the movie it was not on the soundtrack soundtrack so they either could not, they didn't pay for the licensing, something happened, but it's like the soundtrack in the movie is way better than the actual physical soundtrack. Like the soundtrack itself is terrible. Wow. I don't know that I've for a record movie, but I don't think it's on Spotify because the one that I found was like a fan made and it was all the songs as they appear in the movie in order. Yeah, that yeah. Has to be, because I have like like I said, I got someone got me the DVD and the like right. not the DVD but the cassette and whatever. And when I was listening, I'm like, oh, this rings a bell. I do remember this. There and now was, I'm older. I'm like, it's terrible. Like, there was a time in the '90s that I feel like all the soundtracks were like that. They were like songs inspired by the movie or whatever, and it wasn't actually what was featured in the movie. There might it must have been different licensing back then. Because so, now I th- I think there's a more songs from Empire Records. Like I think there's another one, and they put something out for Record Store Day on like a gold vinyl a couple years ago, and I think that that has Edwin Collins on it. So it might 
be more of the songs. Mm. What a disappointment. What a fucking so disappointment. I'm like walking around. I'm like, oh my God, this is just, so. Yeah. this is not what I would listen to. I did the exact same thing. I listened to this soundtrack. All I could ever remember that was on this was the, uh, the gin, gin blossoms. blossoms. I yeah. listened to the soundtrack. It was pretty lackluster. I also noticed in the movie, like in the movie, there was so many great songs, specifically like suicidal tendencies and adolescence. Mm. And like, there's even a, when he's, when he's watching Guar and then when he kind of just finishes and he's just kind of zoning out, Daniel Johnson, listen to Daniel Johnston. Yeah. And so there's actually like 30 more songs in this movie other than the soundtrack. But this is something that I feel was pretty common and I looked into it to kind of confirm what I was thinking. These soundtracks were just put together by a record label. So they actually got uh, A&M records. They licensed just for them for this soundtrack and it's only A&M artists. And that's why you have a bunch of nobodies. Yeah. A bunch of nobodies on it that you don't know who the hell they are. The soundtrack is kind of just an extension of the record label itself of a label you know, signing a bunch of artists and just seeing who's going to get big and who they can cash in on and then, you know, dumping the rest. That seems to be like what this soundtrack was. And mm. there's a band called the Martinis on this. That's uh, the Pixies. The rema- like the other two Pixies. It's Joey Santi- Santiago and uh, Dave the drummer. That's their project after the Pixies. Oh. They weren't even signed. They just put them on this. <laughs> Wow. And that's it's like, like, that's the antithesis of Damn the Man Saved the Empire. Yeah. Wow. And it's pretty funny that at the very end of this movie, that stupid little conversation those two guys are having in the credits, they're talking about why didn't the Pixies stick around? Because they wanted to do other projects. Well, they're on the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is that other... the song that's playing when they're talking? No, I don't know what song it actually is. I actually didn't even think about that. That would be amazing yeah. if that's actually what it was. Yeah. <laughs> that would yeah. be a real Easter egg right there. It's so wacky. Like, all of a sudden, you hear a car crashing, and they're, like, not phased by it. You know oh, what I yeah. mean? I was like, what is that? What the fuck is there going There was on? a couple moments I didn't remember, like, that. And I didn't remember that Warren came back with a gun. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Me, too. I was he like, just pops a couple shots off in the record store. And it was then, such a like, oh, I'll get behind this bin or whatever. No one's really There's afraid. There's wacky Elmer Fudd, Bugs Bunny moment. There's a the kid firing like, off. Waving it around. Yeah, I didn't remember that at all. Gets arrested with a gun, even with blanks, man. Gets arrested with, he he's was, back yeah. in like 15 minutes. <laughs> he's he back at the store. earlier that day for shoplifting and already came back. That's the thing. He's arrested twice and comes back before midnight. <laughs> Is his dad the mayor? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Probably. It's exactly the kind of attitude that kid had. My dad's a mayor. My name isn't fucking Warren. I just, just want to work at a record store, Dad. Yeah. Fuck. I can relate Fuck. to Warren. I can relate yeah. to that. Like, if I just hang out, will you give me a job? God, I just want to work here. All right. So what's what's a better soundtrack from this era? Let's not go of all time. Mm. But like this, I'm saying like 94 to 97 What's a better soundtrack than this movie? We can add 98. Come on. Can we add Sure, we can add 98. We're not rigid What's here. What's a 98? What do you got? Uh, Rushmore. That soundtrack. Wow. Rushmore. Rushmore. Fucking unbelievable. And that was 1998. Another wow. one that I love to be asked, like, uh, you know, cameos and all that. I fucking love that movie, Singles. And I had the soundtrack for that movie. And that was great. 
and very good cameo, Pearl Jam. They were in Citizen Dick. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're... And Eddie Vedder couldn't keep a straight face the whole time with Matt Dillon. Right? He's just trying to get through the lines. It's so cute. And then, and there's like, and the album is called Touch Me on Dick. Yeah. <laughs> so another great soundtrack is The Bathroom and the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack Julia. was fantastic. Yeah, that one was huge. And it was, it was interesting because everybody that loves it, like, I'm not going to listen to Gavin Friday on a regular day. You know what I mean? I don't know any of his other songs, but I know every breath of Angel from <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. And it's weird that it grabbed us all. It's probably because the movie was so good, I guess. And the songs were actually used in the movie. You know, mm-hmm. like when you're listening to it, you can picture, oh, this is when Claire Danes is whatever in bed and looking up at the stars. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one is my top one, I think. But surprisingly, another good one was Mall Rats. And I, I just kind of rediscovered it. Absolutely. Suzanne? Yeah. My Weezer? Yes. That's great. Yeah. That's fucking great. So my two yeah, that I can I- reference quickly are Mall Rats and the Angus soundtrack. Angus, oh, if you. Angus, yes, with the unreleased Green Day song. Exactly. So it's got oh, the Green Day B side and it's got another Weezer B side. Uh, yeah. So. Oh, you gave your love to me softly? Yes. No. Yeah, Wait, yeah, yeah. Yes. Because Suzanne Angus, is yeah. on Mallrats. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like those two are like the perfect portrait of mid 90s, you know, mm. alternative, alternatine music. Yeah. Some punk, some alternative, some maybe verging on pop. Mm-hmm. And yeah. again, all those and all in the movie. Exactly. There's a there's a line in Parks and Recreation. Actually, somebody's flipping through Adam Scott's CD binder. They're like, why do you have so many soundtracks? <laughs> like, it's like my favorite director's mixtape. I don't know. And I'm like, yeah, okay. If you're a Tarantino nerd, you're probably gonna love every soundtrack that he puts out because it's so heavily curated. But, but singles was one of the ones in reference in Parks and Rec. <laughs> Excellent. Of course. Well, I mean, they're constantly movie. talking in Parks and Rec about his character loving the early 90s. And I was like, you want to talk oh, yeah. about when the soundtrack was king? It was the 90s. The soundtrack was king, yeah. <laughs> I remember. There was a huge it. section in the record store for soundtracks. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, fucking yeah. huge. Um, I remember, obviously, like, the, they're like Batman ones or whatever. But one that, like, for action ones, I remember Spawn. That Spawn soundtrack yep. came oh, out yeah. before the movie did. I remember me and my cousins... In, like we're traveling around fucking England and Scotland in a minibus and we would not stop listening to that because it what was it what was that band uh oh I know it, it had an unreleased Sum 41 song but it and no yeah yeah and the, what's the guy there what are they called Filter Filter, Filter. oh right Filter. yeah, yeah, there yeah. Was some good song. and so we we're like oh my god this movie's gonna be amazing we watched it, it was absolutely terrible <laughs> yeah it was so <laughs> fucking bad song was terrible so, uh, it was unfortunate, you know what the like, Spawn's soundtrack reminds me of, and I don't know what year it is, so I don't know if it fits, but the Judgment Night soundtrack. That's exactly what it is, Stacey. Yeah, that so, one was so big in everyone's life because it was like every genre coming yes. together so, for a kind of okay Emilio Estevez movie. Exactly. It's another wh- what the hell happens in that movie, but everybody knows the soundtrack. Yeah, so exactly. the Judgment Night soundtrack is hip-hop and whatever metal or uh, harder bands coming together and the spawn soundtrack was the exact same thing it was i don't know late 90s kind of hard rock and electronica so it was like i think i think the orb i think it was filter in the orb or filter in the chemical brothers one of those they just like mashed everybody up 
They yeah. just wanted to do the Judgment Night soundtrack. Favorite again. genres, remember hip hop and heavy metal. Mm. Ah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And throw was... in Whitney Houston every once in a while for his <laughs> girlfriend. Yeah. So, my favorite soundtrack of all of the '90s. Okay, so I will include yeah, Rushmore, Mallrats, Angus. I love all these ones, but my favorite one is the Kids soundtrack. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Yeah. What are big tracks from that? There's no real big tracks, but again, every one of the songs is in the movie. What they did was they got uh, essentially Sebado, uh, Lou Barlow, and one of the other guys. Or no, actually just Lou Barlow and someone else. I can't, I don't know his name. When they made the band Folk Implosion, it was like another Lou Barlow thing. They had the one big song called Natural One uh, that would, would have been on the radio a bit. Oh. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's on the soundtrack, but the rest of the soundtrack, they just wrote a soundtrack. They wrote music for the soundtrack. So all the songs are original songs that they wrote for the soundtrack, but then there's a Slint song, a Daniel Johnston song, and like another like hip hop song. In the movie, there's like Tribe Called Quest and stuff like that, but it doesn't make it onto the soundtrack. Uh, but I think that soundtrack is fantastic. So good. The kids' soundtrack that never got in my repertoire. Not even close to it. One of the best ones that were that was also heavily played for me was the Train Spotting soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that that's up, that's up there too. Generation. One hundred percent. Right, a Lou Reed. There was like a lot oh, yeah. of very good songs, and when you were listening to it, you were like able to uh, you remember, like you were mm-hmm. singing with Baz Luhrmann, like. I think that's the hallmark of a good soundtrack. You want it like you want it to be your director's like curated mixtape yeah. for the movie and you want to listen to it and you if it's so if it's mirrored with the scenes and the emotions so well that you will be driving your car or listening to it on your phone or whatever and be transported mm-hmm. back to that moment in the movie. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It should that's have when you know you've nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. The tone immediately brings you back. Yeah. I would like to talk about what we are, we've been we've referenced this uh, several times in this uh, pod already. Is that Mark at one point is watching Guar, and so we yeah. see Guar. They actually get integrated into the movie. Mark gets eaten by the giant Guar monster, and it just made me think. There has been, especially in the '90s, actually too. There was a lot of great as themselves like bands in a movie playing. And I was wondering, do you guys have any favorites of those? I've got a list that I'd love to read, too. One that always stuck with me was uh, L7 and Serial Mom. Oh, yes, thank you. But they weren't themselves. I know. I forget the name of the band. Oh, the Camel Toes? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I could picture the outfit, and I was like, it's something to do with... Yeah, the Camel Toes. Yeah, that one really got me as a youth that movie overall but that performance and seeing those chicks do that it's like okay all right and then i obviously had to look them up was that your discovery of uh l7 from serial mom oh yeah oh wow 10 years old or something when serial mom came out yeah yeah that's an older movie that's true oh my god it was inappropriate for me to watch (laughs) i never watched it was that with uh it's with Kathleen, Kathleen Turner. Turner? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You've never seen Serial? No, Mom? but she's got like scissors or something. Ricky Lake. I have to watch it. Martin what? Matthew Lillard. Yeah. Oh, I oh love that fucker. Oh, that guy's a weirdo. I like him a lot. It's, He's great. It's a wild ride. Get okay, ready. it's in my IMDb. I mean, yeah. Kavita. Yeah, I have to wow. do it. Kavita, it's John it. Waters, so that says yeah, it all. It's John Waters. <laughs> oh, my. <Yeah. laughs> Sorry, should have led with that. Yeah. 
I Cap fucking love that guy. He's again. hilarious when he's on The Simpsons, or when he just shows up and he's like, "Hi, I'm John Waters, and I have this skinny little mustache that's impossibly close to my lip, but I'm here to like just I'm be myself, and I'm into it. Well, I'm here for it. I love people who are unapologetically themselves. It's fucking great. IMDb gave it only a six point eight. Guys, sorry. Yeah, they don't know what they're talking about. It might be Matthew. Fuck. Yeah, it might be one of the highest rated John Waters movies. Let's be real. I don't yeah. think they okay. score high. <laughs> Yeah, That's e- not a hairspray. Yeah, either you get John Waters or you don't. That's pretty much yeah. where it's where we're at. Kavita, do you have any uh, as themselves cameos, bands and movies that you like? Well, yeah, as I, uh, the, I mentioned earlier, Pearl Jam in singles as the members of Citizen Dick uh, were great. They're fi- they're great. He just can't keep a straight face. It's adorable. They're trying their best. It's cute. Um, the other person who I love who's shown up in two movies. And I just die when he shows up because he's he just makes impression leaves. Is Billy Idol? He played himself oh, yeah. in the Wedding Singer. I loved him all, in the Wedding Singer. He was so good in the Wedding Singer. But I love Billy Idol. I have his his vinyl. I love him. He's like my child. I hear his music and I'm like, oh my god, I love Billy Idol so much. And then he shows up in The Doors. Uh, he plays a character in The Doors, and he tells Ray to fuck off in the most charming British way. And it's one of my favorite lines in a movie. It's so fucking good. So yeah, he shows up randomly, Billy yep. Idol in movies, in movies, and uh, he's great. L Seven with Serial Mom was actually on my list too, Stacey. Uh, my number one <laughs> is Ween showing up in the movie. It's Pat. <laughs> it's they're in. It's Pat. Yes, Pat. What? They. <laughs> you can look this up on YouTube. They're in. It's Pat, and. I think I, I must have watched this. I feel like I watched It's Pat because someone told me that Ween was in it. So that's wow. why I watched it. And they play in it. And then Pat joins the band. So he gets up and like plays Pat. They. Gets they, up. they, them, Jackson. Yes, we yes, have yes. the terminology now. Yes, I know. Jackson. I know. Oh, God. <laughs> Just got buried. Um, uh, <laughs> they show up <laughs> and play accordion or something like that with Ween. And that's just I have no memory of that. I need to watch that movie. Yeah. Mud Mud Honey in the movie Black Sheep. Oh, really? Yeah. They're playing. They're just playing. I don't know. He shows up to a Mud Honey show. <laughs> wow. I don't think I ever even noticed that. I probably didn't even know who Mud Honey was, but I watched Black Sheep a lot. Yeah. They they are the band in that movie. Primus in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure 2. At the Battle of the oh. Bands. Yeah. Mighty Mighty Boss Tones in Clueless. Oh, yep. Yep. Good one. Uh, this is a great one. Cannibal Corpse in Ace Ventura. Yes. <laughs> that one was great. Yeah. When he goes to the <laughs> and Wow. And honestly, like the Oscar goes to Alice Cooper in Wayne's World. Oh, oh that's, my that's God. The ultimate oh. cameo oh. in a movie. Oh. <laughs> the good one. <laughs> What a man. Like to have oh, that sense of humor God. about yourself is amazing. Excellent. Yes, I do agree. That is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Oh my God. I love Alice Cooper so much. Here's a, a little bit of internet research before we go, uh, before we mm-hmm. wrap up. This this makes sense to me, uh, but the internet sort of said like are saying like they don't get it, but it makes sense to me that Angelina Jolie was offered the role of Deb, but Robin Tooney got it. Mm. yeah well she was because she was like in the peak of her alternative 
time. That yeah. was right after Foxfire, right before Hackers. Yeah, Hackers would have come out like practically the same much. Like she essentially did uh, Hackers instead of doing this. Yeah. Uh, I That makes sense to me. I, I read a lot of people 100%. saying like yeah. they don't get it. And I was like, really? You don't get it? Like maybe you don't, they don't get, get it, it today. They were born in 2001. <laughs> sure. That's why they don't get it. They don't know that she was walking around on the red carpet with a vial of blood around her neck in the yeah. 90s. You know? <laughs> she great. was a wild one. Forgot about that. The producer of Empire Records, he had already signed on to Empire Records. Two weeks after he had taken on this project, he got another project handed to him. And that project was Clueless. But he wow. said, I already have a teen movie, so I'm good. You're going to have to give that to someone else. Clueless oh Clueless cost $12 million to make. It made $57 million at the box office. Wow. Empire Records good. cost $10 million and made $300,000. That's wild. And it's like the opposite of what you think would happen based on the cast and the, Kinda, the way yeah. it looks and everything, you know? Absolutely. Is Clueless based off of Emma? Yes. I think it's based off of it's Jane uh, Austen. What? Jane, is it Jane Austen? Emma? Yeah. Is it yeah, Emma? I think so. Yeah. I think it's based off of Emma. And Taming of the Shrew is 10 Things I Hate About You. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Final thoughts on Empire Records? I, I love Empire Records. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> damn, damn the man saved the Empire. <laughs> I don't know. I'll never not love it. I love it. It's a great like Saturday afternoon movie for me. I can leave the room and come back. And what's with today? Today, I know exactly what line they're at. You know, <laughs> it's one of those for me. It's right up there with Mallrats and something I'll watch for the rest of my life. The only problem with Empire Records watching it again in 2021, they're all white and they're all straight. Other yes. than that, I still love it. I guess we didn't really talk about that, and we should because that was actually on my list as well and i missed it very it's kind of just indicative of every movie at the time oh my god are Mm -hmm. you kidding yeah they're like and they refer to mr miyagi as the chinese guy yeah in the movie i was like oh some casual racism yeah this is a 90s movie yeah a little bit of casual racism for you yeah um for me i wish i'd left it in the 90s Mm. i wish i hadn't done a rewatch because i remember liking it way better then than i i was just like what is happening you know what I mean? It just yeah. seemed a bit like to just a bit like whatever. I got to say to how dated this movie is in the sense that it's a record store and anybody yeah. born after 2000 is like, what the fuck is this movie about? Where do these kids work? And I really was thinking last night watching this for the first time in probably, I don't know, almost 20 years and thinking they're just, just like, dying to save this store all day and doing all this fundraising and him just going like he eventually quits and he says i'm gonna start my own store but then he gets to take the store back for cheap and i'm thinking my god joe you've got about five more years buddy you're gonna wish this was a toilet store (laughs) yeah yeah you're not wrong and yeah. well, I mean, Joe, Joe was such a cool guy, you know, and he took Lucas under his wing. There's some whole backstory there that we don't know. They have a connection. But I think that maybe the staff would just keep changing out. Corey and AJ would move away and he'd get some new kid or whatever. But yeah, Warren no, you're right. You're back. right. Yeah. Warren in five back. years, it's 2000. It's Napster. You're done. Yeah. He's going to be <laughs> yeah. selling DVDs. Unless he goes niche and he just does like, yeah, like records, like vinyl Only and records, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Only that kind of stuff if he niches down. 
you know? One thing that was really telling of the time is somebody's getting cashed out and the CDs are in like the long boxes. Yeah. Well, was that just for security? Why did they yeah. do that? Was that where the alarm thing was? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's and right. Yeah. Like, and also chunk, couldn't shove like, it. through them. Yeah. And, but also is mostly like what, you know, people stealing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. They're so bulky and cumbersome. Like, how are you going to put that down your pants? Right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. There's Casper also... did it with a 40. And... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to end off as we always do. Except we're not doing a magazine this week. But Empire Records was released September 22nd, 1995. So let's take a look at what was actually on the charts. It wasn't uh, the Cranberries or the Martinis or some no-namer on this soundtrack. (laughs) However, it's so great, guys. It ties in exactly what we're talking about the entire time. There is one, two, three soundtracks in the top 10 this week. Because it's the 90s. Okay. So you... Yeah. It's what we do every time. Number 10 is a uh, an action movie based on a video game. Action movie? 1995? Yes. Uh, not Super Mario Brothers. Not Super Mario Brothers, no. That terrible Super Mario Brothers. It's an action... I fucking hate that Chris Pratt is doing the voice of Mario. Sorry, just said this is. Yeah, me really. too. It's insulting to Italian-Americans everywhere. <laughs> I can't. Uh, okay. The big video game in 1995. Was the video game really big and that's why they made a movie? Absolutely. You know, I'd say like 93 to 95. This was a very, very popular game. This is an action movie, remember, too. So think of like crossing over. Uh, a lot of fighting, a lot of blood. Mortal, Mortal Kombat. The Mortal Kombat soundtrack is number 10. Yeah. Fight. Exactly. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. That was a lot of like techno and stuff, right? Exactly. It was all techno. It was yeah, like I the perfect, yeah. you know, kind of techno nerd movie and soundtrack. Number nine, I'm going to say first clue, one word Australia. Oh, Silverchair? Silverchair. Silverchair Frog Stomp is number nine. Frog Stomp. What a record. Mm-hmm. That was everywhere. Everyone oh was my into God. that when that came out, right? Huge, mm-hmm. huge record. Oh, yeah. Those guys were 15 years old. They and you can really tell. I know. It's it's so crazy listening to that They ended up better now. than Pearl Jam, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. I've never been a Pearl Jam person, but I still love Frog Stomp. I still listen to it. I, you know, it's funny just when you kind of listen to this record now, like you don't notice anything when you're 15 years old and this is brand new because Mm. it kind of sounds like all the high school bands that you're listening to, all the bands that are playing at your school. And then you listen to it now and you can really hear that it's a bunch of 15 year olds playing. (laughs) The songs are pretty simple. You can really hear that 15 year old musicianship in this movie or in this record but his voice is so good for a 15 year old that's the thing it is good those kids looked cool too they looked cool daniel johns had so much swagger just like a Mm. little whisper of a thing yeah he could hold an audience 
Yeah, that basis. Is he still with Natalie and Brulia? Because I remember they got married. Ooh, I don't know, but I that's fun. Don't yeah. think so. I don't think so. There is a 90s podcast. Yeah, I know, eh? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. She with her pixie cut, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Her with her wispy bang that she got to do this with a lot. <laughs> there is a podcast out right now just about Daniel Johns and his career and him talking and getting really? interviewed. Yeah, you should look that up. <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah. Okay. I've only listened to the first episode. It was pretty entertaining. Number eight. Mm-hmm. Number eight. This is a comedy record. This is very 1995, early 1990s comedian. Very, very big comedian. Very uh, parent. Yeah, everyone's going to laugh at you by Adam Sandler? No. Good, good guess, oh. though. Very good guess. I would think it was Adam Sandler as well. That's what I yeah. thought. Think more. This is very parent humor. Your parents would love this. It's also incredibly Southern. Jeff oh. Foxworthy? Yes. yes. What? Number eight on the Billboard charts is Games Rednecks Play by Jeff oh Foxworthy. God. He was that big. Yeah, he was that big. He was really big. I mean, he, I knew that he was like everywhere, but I didn't think he was selling albums. I mean, That's I guess wild. I didn't really either, but wild. he must have been. He was on Much Music, right? They must have been playing the Redneck song on Much Music. At least on the country oh, I station. Forgot. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was just like a stand-up record, but I forgot he had those songs. Yeah. You might be a redneck. What a time. Yeah. He <laughs> might wow. make a resurgence QAnon Jeff Foxworthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or it's or it's just so bad it's good. You know, it's kind of like when Celine Dion oh, yeah. just gets accepted by everybody in like popular culture. She's not just kind of like, oh fuck Celine Dion. I'd never listened to her. Now she's just kind of accepted. And I feel like it's Jeff yeah. Foxworthy just like back and like, oh yeah, Jeff Foxworthy. Oh <laughs> yeah, everybody that? knows Jeff Foxworthy. He knows the smarter than a fifth grader. Yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wild. All right. Number seven. Incredibly yeah. gigantic female artist. Canadian. Country. Oh, not oh, country. Shania. 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 1995 Shania, The Woman in Me. The Woman in Me. That's a good album. Sing it. Yeah. Sing it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep going, Stacey. Yeah. <laughs> my range. She's great. She's been doing a lot of comedy lately, speaking up. Really? She's on Broad City, and I just saw oh, her yeah. on an episode of a cartoon called Fairfax, where she played herself and wrote a parody of uh, You're Still the One I Run To. She wrote a parody of that about the episode. Oh, nice. I was very impressed. Yeah, she's got something going with Comedy Central. She keeps doing cameos. Good for her. You know, you're just rich and you're just looking for stuff to do. <laughs> yeah, well, I know. Yeah, I'll do Born that. Rich. Sure. And you want to make yourself relevant again. Comedy exactly. Making like fun of yourself is always like endearing. Yeah, to be. she took control of the memes about her. She started a TikTok yeah. account. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's great. Yeah, it's smart. See, that's when you become relevant again. It's absolutely true. It's it's exactly, exactly what I was just saying about Celine Dion. It's like as soon as you kind of like are in on the joke, then everybody loves you. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I need to get – I would only get Twitter just because I want to see what D- Dion Warwick has to say because <laughs> everyone says She's been Twitter on fire this week. Yeah. yeah, she's just on fire. Like yeah. she's just like, what is this and what is that? And calling people out, I'm here for it. Yeah, and the, this genera- the new generation is loving it. They're loving middle-aged women just in on the joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Number six is probably going to be tough. I, I actually had to message a friend of mine today uh, who's a big hip hop fan and ask him, uh, you know, how well he knew this. This is a mm. soundtrack. Uh, Belly? No. I don't know if I'm going to be able to give any clues on this other than it's a documentary. It's a documentary done by Russell Simmons in 1995, and this is the soundtrack to it. Is it Hoop Dreams? It's not Hoop Dreams. That's a good that's a good guess. The soundtrack is the movie is called The Show and it's a Russell Simmons documentary mm. about hip hop in 1995 mm. that I do not remember, but this is the soundtrack. I have no memory of that. Me neither. Yeah, uh, I've I'm, never heard of that. I mean, I'm not a giant hip hop fan, so it, I'm sure uh, at least no, me at either, that but time I'll watch so just about any music doc, yeah. Me too. Now I'll I'm watch like any music doc is weird I've yeah. heard of that. I'm pretty interested in watching this now because I think it's a lot of Def Jam artists. Uh, I looked at the the roster on this. It was incredible. I messaged my friend today and just said, do you remember this? And he's like, yeah, man. He's like, I can name half the artists on that soundtrack to you right now. Oh, really? Like, loved it. That's dope. So I was like, okay, got to watch that. Got to listen to that. It's called The Show? It's called The Show. Oh, all right. It's number six okay. on Billboard. It was big. Number five is a R&B group that was very big in the 90s, but not the biggest, you know, like of what you're thinking. They had a couple big mm, hits. Not Boys to Men. It's not Boys to Men. Exactly. No. I was like, what? <laughs> it does start with a B, uh, though. It starts with what? It does start with B, though. Wow. B. Starts with a B. R&B band. Mm-hmm. R&B group, I should say. Yeah, men. Three. Bone Thugs and Harmony? Bone Thugs and Harmony is correct. Yeah. Really? Yes. Very good. Bone, bone, bone. They just did a Bone Thugs and Harmony sketch on SNL last weekend. Oh, really? Did anybody see that? No. Oh, my God. you got to watch it. It's great. Okay. So, okay. So they finally have enough black cast members to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Rude, but true. Yeah. yeah. It took 20 years. Yeah, for sure. This is uh, E-1999 Eternal Bone Thugs and Harmony. That's the name of the wow. record iconic mm-hmm. number four is a giant female r&b group 1995 three women i mean the biggest three women. just just go for your biggest oh, tlc tlc is correct tlc crazy TLC. sexy cool crazy sexy cool oh, oh yeah this would have been i mean they were big this record, it, again, it was like carrying over. I think it was 94. It was still on the charts. This would have been them riding off of Waterfalls at this point. Yeah. Waterfalls with a huge single this summer. This is It was that it, summer, yeah. Exactly. Wow. That album still holds up, too. That's a good record. Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God, yeah. Number three, our second. <laughs> this woman is on every list I do. <laughs> our second giant female Canadian. <laughs> Selene. Yeah. Nope. The other one. Alanis. 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 <laughs> wow. Okay, yeah, 95. 95 yeah, Alanis. Jagged Same Little time. Pill. So, I mean, pretty yeah. much if I do one of these between 95 and 97, she will be on it. <laughs> yep. Okay. She rode okay. that wave. Yeah. Yeah. And now she's a karaoke, like, oh my God. Everybody. Yeah. Everyone, fucking anyone will get up and wail to that song, man. I tell <laughs> yeah, you. And the whole bar will go nuts. Absolutely. Yeah. Number two 
uh, this is these guys would have been number one off and on. This was um, these guys are a gigantic early or um, mid nineties band. Very very um, very soft. Uh, I don't want to say soft. Sorry. <laughs> very <laughs> very likable band. Not heavy at all. Kind of a stupid name, <laughs> but bare naked ladies. You're very close. <laughs> Think of the American um, version, acoustic-y, not Dave Matthews. Um, oh my God, I'm name. blank. I'm the, blank. En- the entire band is white except for the lead singer. Hootie and the Blowfish. Hootie. Yes. Wow. Cracked rear view. The world by storm. Oh my God. The world. The world. It's the been world on- wanted to let her cry. It's been on the charts for 61 weeks at this point. It's number two. Whoa. <laughs> it was number one last week. Oh, you know who was also popular? Remember Counting Crows and like Blues Traveler and stuff? Like, this yeah. Was, mm-hmm. And Dave Matthews. There was like a big, like, yeah. like movement. They called it college rock. I'm like, this is, I don't know what, I would not call this college rock, but that's no. the thing they used to call it. It's it was like, like dad rock, but the guys weren't dads yet. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but they were heading towards dad bod, like that's oh, big in there. Time. Yeah. Oh, the Blues Traveler. Yeah, it was beyond dad bod. Yeah. Oh, Blues Traveler was quite cool. They had a different thing though. They had like quite a cool shtick or whatever. Well, check this out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, really talented. Well, check this out. I'm only mm-hmm. doing the top ten guys, but mm-hmm. number fourteen is Dave Matthews Band. Really. Number twelve is Blues Traveler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And number the time, yeah. Number eleven is live flowing throwing copper. Oh, oh wow! <laughs> oh, I can't say that lightning crashes. But he used to come on, and I used to. I much music used to play all day at our house. Oh my we god! Teenagers, yeah. and Adam like turned that shit off. I that was whole so oh, dramatic. That guy. Oh, I couldn't stand. Yeah. It. yeah, it was melodramatic. It was too much for me. That song was oh. on like every third video. Like they would not yeah. stop playing that video. <laughs> And it's a long song. Yeah, yeah it just really goes on forever. Big, is it worth it? I don't think I ever yes. listened to the whole thing. I've never heard any songs by live other than the singles. No, that's it. I only know that. I don't even know anybody that's like, I love live. I've never heard anyone say that in my life. There was, I mean, Where they were a giant here? band. I definitely <laughs> knew people in high school at the time, like grade nine, who loved live. But, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, like, because that was a giant record. I definitely knew those yeah. people who loved that record. I didn't, um, no. but it was easy at that moment to have fans around you when you were like 14. Yeah. If you had videos on TV, yeah. people were coming to your shows. Yeah. And this brings us to number one. This is a soundtrack. This was a giant movie in the summer of 1995 with a really, really big soundtrack and a really, really big song off this soundtrack. It's mostly hip-hop on this soundtrack. The giant single is a hip-hop song. Can't think of anything other than Empire Records. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What else happened in 1995? (gasps) 1995. It's summer. Yes. Is this an action movie? It is not an action movie. It is kind of a, you know teen friendly dramatic movie very teen summer movie it's don't think about like a hip-hop theme of a movie just think about it like there's a lot of hip-hop on the soundtrack 
the movie. What's the big song? What's the big song from it? <laughs> well, there's no oh, way I can tell you that. This movie is about a teacher. Oh, it's uh, 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 yeah. da- uh, Dangerous Minds. Yes. Coolio! <laughs> Coolio, yes. Okay. Dangerous Minds is oh, number one. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Oh, I love her. But Has yeah, anyone yeah. rewatched that? Because oh, I haven't. Oh, yeah. not going to hold up. Eh? It's probably not going to hold up. White I haven't seen it since or whatever. Yeah. Oh, shit. A lot of white saviorism in that movie. Oh, that song was yeah. huge. Uli. Oh. oh, my God. Wow. And then, Another uh, Weird song. Al. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just as big. <laughs> Just, Just as, as good. Big. Oh, my God. Oh, Weird Al. Yeah, wow, that movie. It, it was just that song driving the soundtrack, right? Were there other? I don't think there's. Songs I can't think it? of anything else on it. No. Let me yeah. See, I'll check it out. But yeah, that was the one. And he's like sweating and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh right. And yeah. she's and she's in the it's video. Just she's just. She's in the video. She's just sitting there staring at him as she <laughs> talked as he <laughs> tells her how the fuck it is. <laughs> I forgot that's what the video was. Oh wow! <laughs> it's like a light bulb in the middle too. Yeah. Like it's one of those super dramatic. It's like she's being interrogated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. I would say shit. if looking at this, like I, I'm not a, I, I love hip hop. I'm not a super like your friend would probably know better, Jackson. But yeah, I would say that that's probably like the biggest. Yeah, track they were buying it for one song. Oh, for sure. I, they, I don't think there was any other song on much music other than that for that movie. I mean, and that's it. I, I don't even, I didn't even know what happened uh, with Empire <laughs> Records. Like we covered a lot of ground, which was amazing. So uh, I really want to thank you guys again for coming out to the pod, discussing this movie, whether we loved it or we hated it. Uh, I think uh, we we came to a lot of excellent conclusions about this movie, which I'm very happy about. So I want to thank you both for coming out again. Thank you, Kavita. Thank you, Stacey. Uh, and I, Thanks, uh, Jackson. You're welcome. I hope uh, you guys come back again soon. Yeah, totally. I would love to.